0: Amelia Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech Show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Creating and deploying applications to the cloud has gotten a lot easier. With advancements in containers and networking capabilities, organizations can adopt a hybrid cloud approach. Lakshmi Sharma, Director of Product Management and Networking at Google, explained what the hybrid cloud and the role of containers is in cloud computing. We also talked about Ingress, a tool on Google Cloud that makes containers a first-class citizen. Lakshmi also explained the process of deciding what tools to build and how some internal tools from Google developed into products that were released to the public. Before we get on with the show, I'd like to thank Blind for being a sponsor. Navigating the workplace can be a challenge. Blind is an anonymous app for tech workers where they can discuss and talk about career development, compensation, corporate policies, workplace harassment, and more. Go to teamblind.com to download the app and connect with other employees from your company. That's teamblind.com. Thank you. Lakshmi Sharma, Director of Product Management Networking at Google Cloud, is joining us today. Lakshmi, welcome to the show. Thank you. You have a long trajectory in networking. One of your early jobs was at Network Equipment Technologies. Later, you worked at Cisco, which is the largest networking company in the world. And now you're at Google Cloud focused on networking. Early in your career, what were some of the challenges you were working on in the networking space? What was the panorama like back then?
1: So when I started, the uh, panorama was uh, around moving from ATM services to IP services. Uh, something called, um, say, gold, uh, premier, and silver enablement of services for telco was becoming a big thing, which is called triple play, uh, video voice data. How do you enable that for end consumers? That's the era when I started. So, and enabling that at scale of consumers for telcos and cable providers. So, I joined a company which was getting into IP, IP scale, while it was traditionally an ATM company. So, putting all that word of ADSL and cable modems and all of that to get to triple play was really a big thing, which seems like, you know, everybody has it today, but getting video, voice, and data onto the same channel to end consumers was just happening at that time.
0: So you're saying getting video and voice in the same channel, were the challenges mostly due to hardware and the
1: technology not being there yet? Yeah, it was hardware, software, and also the standards. Uh, A lot of these standards were still evolving. So whether you use the ATM PVC or you use IP connection from DSLAM all the way to the modem at the homes. So the modems were um, evolving. There were companies like TwoWire, which had just started. Prior to that, it was that space of uh, ADSL and DSL was really between providers and very large providers like Lucent and other players. So the modems had not evolved. Standards have not evolved. Uh, A lot of standardization work had to happen at that time.
0: In what ways did this standardization help the whole process evolve? What are some of the advantages of this standardization?
1: So standardization enables the massive adoption. It enables uh, multiple players to, so it, one is adoption and one is like the so cost optimization and the economies of scale that comes with standardization. So I believe that's, that's what it enabled for the world. So a term called service creation did not exist prior to that. It was very much in the control of telcos and other providers who would just go and statically program your uh, services. Your voice will be on separate. Uh, data will be a uh, separate, and then video would be separate. And uh, but then the standardization just enabled a whole new set of service creations. At this, even for service providers. So yeah, economies of scale and uh, massive adoption is what standardization does.
0: And now you moved from working on this to the shift to the cloud. Throughout your time in this space, in what other ways has networking change as companies and organizations make that switch to the cloud?
1: Sure. So in between another transformation I've seen, and then I'll go step one, two, three. While we were doing this work on the service creation for telco, another wave was going on, which came with the voice, you know, protocols like SIP, S323, SIP. So SIP really changed the dynamics of how voice happens, voice over IP. So that was another transformation that happened for me at the same call NET. How do you do SIP over TLS? How do you scale to a lot of voice sessions? And uh, voice became from a fixed line access voice medium to coming from protocols like SIP, which enabled and other protocols in the space of IMS. I think messaging and voice going over IP was another big transformation that I saw you know, when I was working at NET. So from there until now, the changes, I would say open sourcing has completely disrupted. Two things which I feel have disrupted the world. One was like long time back when internet happened after that. So SDN was trying to get to, I would say, soft, leveraging software for the scale of endpoints or scale of the services. But the true disruption really happened with the cloud. So what cloud did in my mind as uh, it brought multiple words together. So I, I kind of picked this example always that in 2001 or 2004 and 2006, if I will go to different conferences, there would be one for DSL. there IDF will be a lot of IP. Then you go to Etsy, then you have another conference around OSS and BSS vendors. They would all be talking pretty different things. And then you go to MPLS conference. All, the, and then there are others on the SIP side and the security side. You would hear different standards. You will hear different use cases across all those conferences. And then what has happened from virtualization, which then ena- enable massive adoption in cloud, like infrastructure as a service, primarily, was that all these multiple use cases, people working in data centers who were primarily at that time IT, IT is running multiple enterprise applications. And those people were coming from data center background. Then there were people who were doing OSS and BSS for provider. Then there were people who were building all these equipment vendors for switches and routers and core routers. Then there were other set of people who were doing packet optical, and then looking at like L1 and network planning, all of that. All of those were suddenly converged with virtualization, which enabled uh, you know deployment of the cloud or adoption of cloud. And open sourcing was another virtualization, open sourcing, open interfaces, and programming programming languages, which allowed these multiple systems to work together and scale and develop really fast. So open sourcing, virtualization... And programming, the innovation that happened in programming languages, all of that combined and brought multiple of these words together. So that's massive. So cloud really brought all these words together. So now for in past four, five years or six years, every conference you would go, you will see same set of people (laughs) So that to me has, and then even if we go to customers, like six, seven years ago, you will go to a meeting where you will see one meeting would be like, you know, with the data center team, another meeting would be with the application team, another would be with the security and another networking. And then past six, seven years, the same customer you go, all these people generally sit in the same room and they talk about common set of problems. That's how you see that, how industry has evolved, like because you see the people roles changing and how industry used to work together it's pretty consolidated industry at this point
0: i see so you're highlighting virtualization and this enabled the massive adoption of these technologies also open source and the fact that now people from different backgrounds they have more things in common they share more things and this enables us to build better systems and iterate much faster right yeah mm mm-hmm. You work in cloud networking. I want to dive deep in this area, particularly this notion of the hybrid cloud, which we are seeing different organizations adopt. Can you explain what the hybrid cloud consists of?
1: So hybrid cloud consists of, and I would say hybrid to me means both on-prem connecting to cloud or multi cloud so i would i would take both the examples so hybrid cloud for google you know google has been driving like you know has been contributing to open source you know for the longest time possible whether it is you know whether it is protocols whether it is languages and whether it is security you take a take a name and google has been in almost every part of the open source so leveraging the same kind of methodology that we had been using to uh, drive innovation not just with, within google but to enable and live you know the entire ecosystem outside google to make cloud real so the our current uh, approach is around using uh, technologies like kubernetes and using a platform like cloud services platform which brings in uh, istio which is another open source initiative and kubernetes together to make hybrid and the multi cloud reality So that to me is very powerful. And then taking it to the next step, it's not something that we believed in and we did it. No, it is something that we tested, tried in our own infrastructure for years. It means container. It means what Kubernetes is based on, which is our own containerized infrastructure and management system called Borg. So we we tested it for, for years and our infrastructure is based on that and our services run on that infrastructure. And then we believe that that's how massive infrastructures could be run or massive scale applications could be run in a distributed manner. So we, we enabled it and then we just offered it as an open source. So that to me is pretty powerful that, uh, and then you can see based on how other cloud providers and even um, vendor companies have, been, have adopted uh, Kubernetes and the investment that you see in Istio space, they I would say are an example of how this is becoming real and these are the drivers.
0: You mentioned the hybrid cloud, also encompasses on-premises as well as different cloud providers. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in understanding what is the difference between on-premises and private cloud when an organization has something in a private cloud and on-premises.
1: Sure. And again, this is I'm I'm giving you my view of what what it means. I don't. I may not be uh, speaking to a public definition that. Google has. So this is kind of my experience mixed with something which I would know from here. I would specifically mention. So uh, the way I look at on-prem. So there are multiple categories of customers. So let's pick a customer type. So customer type which is a traditional IT which has been running a business. Let's say retail or finance or credit company uh, or a healthcare company. Any one of those which is a traditional IT company which has data centers has been running applications and has employees which use enterprise IT applications. So those kinds of companies they have invested in infrastructure they have different kinds of groups. There will be network group, security group, risk and compliance, you know, all kinds of groups. And then let's assume that company has decided over the past year or couple of years to look at their, um, you know, look at the agility at which the company needs to grow. And at the same time, they also want to look at, like, how do we enable existing options that are out there, right? So this company's goal is to get to, uh, you know, faster, faster time to deploy so that they can get better access to customers, right, or their customers. And I'll pick, so, let's say, retail. I've, I've worked at one retail, so I'll just uh, pick that example. So now you're trying to get more customers to your site, and then the site sits in data center. And uh, now how do you get faster to more customers? Now you have this hard competition with other online retail companies. So so the way you will do it, on-prem, what will on-prem mean? There could be multiple things that you do. You decide that, you know, there is a lot of people who are working in managing or operating the infrastructure that I have. Maybe that's one step. I could move my operations out. But in order to move your operations out, there may be these things sitting for like years, all kinds of hardware and then switches and software. And then you may or may not have done virtualization. So, so kind of, you look at your entire you know, infraset. And then you decide that I want to do application migration. And let's say you have database application. And then you, let's say, you have some e-commerce applications which are written in Java or some latest language. So then you start to decide that because I want to reduce my operational cost and my objective is to get more customers to my e-commerce site. Let me just focus first on just rewriting my e-commerce site in a way and putting it in a place where I can get faster access to many, many customers, right? Many, many online customers. and the experience is awesome. So then they will go to a customer like you know a cloud like Google and say, "Hey, because Google has a huge presence. they are everywhere in the world. They are really good in latency, they have the fastest and the uh, you know they have very high in bandwidth, low latency, very good experience and this is the team which is very engineering heavy team and they understand how to rewrite applications they can help me write the application and because they have this amazing sre culture maybe they can help me build my cre culture because i really believe operations is important just that i do not want to be doing that operation you know all the operations don't want to be doing like you know in-house so that's how you will pick like one type of custom you know one type of cloud so that's how like and but then you want to be able to come come you know continue to interact with some of the infrastructure that you have. So the on-premise, where your data center, your existing applications are, and now you're migrating like one set of applications, which are most important to you, you will find the behavior and the characteristic, and you moved it to one cloud. Maybe for other applications, some other cloud may be a good idea, right? You want to just do backup for storage. Maybe you want to choose some other, you know, cloud provider, or maybe some other, other services vendor for that. So that's how kind of, that's what I mean. So you will need different kinds of, sometimes You may need different kinds of solutions for different applications and depending on what your end goal is looking like. So, so that's how I'm going to describe. You may decide to just build your own private cloud and say, Oh, you, you know, I think like a lot of my databases as a service, I can really handle internally because I have this three year worth of contract with databases companies and shared storage companies that I cannot come out of. So, how about I just kind of offer database and storage as an API to my internal customer and I keep that infrastructure inside? And uh, that could be your internal private cloud, which is based on API and then you know the common shared access to these uh, resources that you have acquired. So you could go with like you know multiple options. you can keep your private cloud and make it like you know very you know shared resources, agility, inside, use virtualization a lot more. and then depending on if you want a you know if specific characteristics of a cloud you want a different reach of the cloud, then you can pick the cloud provider that you want
0: exactly. So what you're saying is. As a business, you really have to set a goal of what things you're focusing on and if that requires leveraging the infrastructure from a company like Google with decades of experience in this. And by using that cloud, it allows you to focus on other aspects of your business, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Correct.
0: Another component that you mentioned about achieving a hybrid cloud is using containers and Kubernetes. We did a show with Hen Goldberg, also at Google, about Google Kubernetes Engine and how this plays an important role in hybrid networking. For those that aren't familiar with it, can you explain briefly what GKE is?
1: So Kubernetes Engine is a managed offering for Kubernetes from Google. So it brings you all the infra, the scale, and the availability that comes from Google shared services, let's say Google's load balancer, Google's global load balancer, and the CDN infrastructure. So integrating natively, right? Natively into a managed offering of Kubernetes offered by Google at the scale, including the visibility into your logging and the troubleshooting and all the support that you get along with it. So you can really focus on building your applications and you can really focus on, you know, accelerating your business growth and Not so much on managing the infrastructure and how to troubleshoot, how to log and how to scale and how to load balance and where to optimize, where to place the services. Do I, what kind of DNS do I use so that I can do, you know, load balancing, uh, geo load balancing and all of that. So how to protect my infrastructure because I am managing it. We take away all that toll from you because, you know, we just use the same infrastructure that we used to manage other services. And uh, the best thing about using uh, managed uh, Kubernetes for from Google is that we just give you VPC as a native construct. So from from a roadmap perspective, also, like, if you will see that anything that we will develop for uh, native VMs and compute, we will develop, you will get the same thing as part of your uh, Kubernetes offerings as well. So very easy to manage, get all the native services at the scale, just like other services.
0: I see. So it's... a uh management layer on top of kubernetes you can think of it that way
1: yeah and very natively integrated into google's uh, uh, google's network services infrastructure
0: ingress is another tool on google cloud and i saw that you talked about this in a different conference this tool enables you to set up load balancing which you mentioned earlier and it makes containers a first-class citizen in the cloud. What does it mean that a container is now a first-class citizen? What does that imply?
1: So, What it implies is that if you think about the how containers had been designed and how they were, you know, when you put a containerized application, when you design that application... So you will traditionally kind of put a container inside a VM and then the routing, and then you bring put a node in front of it, and you need a load balancer just to kind of load balance into this multiple services, uh, services that you're creating as part of your cluster. And then in order to get to that cluster, you will also put another uh, routing and the load balancing infrastructure in front. So there had been... Uh, and let's say you do the same thing for VM. so the load balancers in the routing and in cloud and in virtualization had been optimized to work with VMs, not with containers. So with the introduction of this you know this concept called Neg, which is network and endpoint groups, we have and, in- and le- putting our load balancers as an integrated load balancer into the Q- uh, into the Kubernetes engine framework, you will get the same experience from load balancing, you will get the same latency from a containerized application as you will get from the VM infrastructure. So you will, we have removed the extra hops that you would see in outside Kubernetes in GKE environment from other providers. So we have with our introduction of nex and integrating our load balancer into that framework has reduced that extra hop that you would see in the traditional way of deploying containers.
0: That extra hub that you're referring to is this idea of using the VM, right? That's correct. Google has been around since the late 90s and it operates at a really big scale. What are some examples of things that originate at Google that do end up in a product because they can be useful to other organizations?
1: So, one is our Google Cloud load balancer like our which which protects our edge, which protects our cloud, and it runs at the global distributed scales. So that is kind of one investment that we have been using in our infrastructure that we offer as a product or as a service uh, to our customers for cloud. And then we extended the same concept, as I said, to the GKE offering. So other things that we have, we are adding, which we have been using and can offer as products, are products like Cloud Armor. So Cloud Armor 6 sits uh, next to um, Global Load Balancer. And then what it offers you is that it offers you a protection mechanism. It offers you a defense mechanism you know, against your volumetric attacks that your infrastructure may see and it allows you to add uh, using a flexible you know rules language you can add rules to protect some specific attacks as well so like you know cross site scripting cross site scripting being one of them sql injection being another one of them and then we so then we also offer these defense mechanisms as a templates so you can pick existing templates and then or, and you can use the Flexible programming language to flexible rules language to deploy these kinds of uh, defense policies at edge at the same scale at which our edge is deployed. So we keep bringing these kinds of products to our cloud customers. After we have, we believe that we have been using them, and it, it will make sense for us to bring that to our you know end customers as well.
0: Does part of that decision process involved also looking at feedback from customers and? and telemetry and things like that to decide what do we add next to the product what features do we build
1: oh yes absolutely so we have something which i really enjoy i mean other than many many things like the massive scale and the number of consumers and the number of customers that's kind of amazing scale we work at so we we have this very very good ux team you know which works with a lot of customers in addition to the customers that we work directly with. So while we, our, you know, amazing set of field that we have, they bring in a lot of customer requirements, but at the same time, any feature that we launch, we do an extensive user user study around it. So for features like partner interconnect, features around like, you know, uh, flow logging, VPC flow logging, or how do we onboard an enterprise customer? So we do l- massive research and look at like, We go to the customer site and then our users, user experience teams, they go and sit with the customer and then look at how they execute their workflow. And they learn that where are the problems that they see. And then we bring those problems back and see that how we might have already solved it inside Google. And then maybe there are places where our opinion or our assumptions were different from customer's difference. And then we bring all of that perspective and one place like you know and that's when we kind of add all of those features into the product uh, roadmap. map so in, in addition to our own heuristics we use all that very closely in close engagement with our uh, you know user groups and our user experience teams and the customers sitting with them yeah and then we also look at like you know uh, there are these external forums like public forums where people give input onto our products and our user experiences we take very very close look at even from external open source community, open source blogs, all kinds of blogs. So we, we look across the board, you know, and from user groups, from you know, external advocates or say customer advocates or developer advocates, we, we collect input from all over the places.
0: You've worked as a leader in this space and delivering complex solutions at smaller and large organizations. What has been your experience in leading product teams? in different organization sizes?
1: Hmm. So each company is different, but the thing that I feel like, you know, motivates people is the impact. You know, impact to your work and seeing that how your work translates to uh, solving a problem and not really necessarily big or small. If you can solve a problem, I and then if you can enable people to be uh, driving that vision that, yes, you have the power to impact and influence in a manner that you can solve problems for customers. It will it will make their life easy or it will have some kind of reward in their lives. You know, A reward could be that I can do more work in less time. A reward could be that I have uh, been not been able to do this thing before with the technology I had and I can do it now. I think as a leader, I've always seen that teams get excited about how they can influence and impact people's life. And eventually, even if you solve a business problem, it always ends up affecting some some human being somewhere right or some part of the world somewhere. so I think that is very powerful to people in all my roles I have been and uh, that's why I feel like at Google like the massive impact that we have on anything that we do the responsibility that we have I've done some hiding here and I myself kind of the reason I joined was that I've done a lot of these things in different places I've run very large teams, small teams, you know done this you know a d- lot of transformation and being part of transformation myself the amazing skill that we do and the amazing amount of responsibility that we have towards environment, towards people, towards culture, towards world. I think that is massive here. And that that's so, so powerful to me. So beautiful.
0: When you're growing a team, what are some of the qualities that stand out to you when you're hiring someone?
1: So I look for people like who, uh, you know, most important is that you should be looking like you are fit for the team, you know, both like uh, humbleness. A you know, person needs to be humble, and at the same time, be able to learn from people. You know, especially in a company like Google, where every single person is so amazing, so intelligent, so smart. Your humbleness gets you the way. You know, and then your integrity in and in your honesty that you know you commit to something and you deliver to it. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people are influenced and impacted because of your decision. So taking responsibility for your decisions and humbleness to learn and to grow together as a team. So that's very important to me.
0: The last question that I want to ask you is product management may not be for everyone. What were some of the factors that led you to decide to go in that trajectory?
1: I believe product management is a group where you influence both business, technology, I mean, in fact, all three, business, technology, and people, and then you work with all of them all the time. I love working with people of all kinds of domains, whether it is external customers, internal customers, internal past partners. You continue to work with engineering, and I love being an engineer. So, And then you continue to look at trends in the market and industry, and you drive the direction for your product, you know, without being the... CEO of the company, you feel like you're the CEO of a product, and then you're working with so many smart people all the time, like people who are good in business, people who are good in program management, people who are so good in writing code and who are good in designing. That's why I really love, and you know how you bridge the gap, or not the bra- gap, like you just you're just a glue who who are kind of connecting so many people together, and you just learn from them every day, and you drive business using technology and people as the driver.
0: So leveraging knowledge from multiple people to build products. All right. Well, Lakshmi, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. It's been great
1: chatting with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time.
0: Thanks to Blind for being a new sponsor of the show. Go to teamblind.com. That's teamblind.com to download the app and connect with other employees from your company. Check it out.